0: Oof. I want to say thank you for allowing me that delay. I ate a burrito very fast. And so, <laughs> if at any moment during this, if you just hear me throw up really loudly, if I. Oh my God! No, no, no. That would probably be why. I'm not going to throw up. Probably, Good but.
1: thing video's on because I really want to see that.
0: <laughs> no. I actually kind of wonder if video was what was causing the problem.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I mean, maybe the mic is like recording fine, but like you don't sound fine
0: right right Like
1: you sound like a robot from far away so i'm just like i don't know if i could talk to you for two hours about a movie
0: would you you want me to talk like a robot if i was like the input of this movie gave me mixed emotions do i still sound like
1: a robot when i talk like a robot (laughs) yes you do but i mean last time ah, what was that (laughs) we're having all sorts of mic problems i hit my mic with my elbow oh okay um, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it had a robust sound that I'm not getting off of my voice right now at all. Can you pick up on me drinking this cold, delicious Pepsi?
1: Slurp, 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 slurp. I want to
0: I wanna test the strength of this microphone. I should explain to everybody that my cool, giant podcast microphone that we usually use has crapped out on us. And so I'm now recording this on a pair of, uh, uh I almost called them iBuds, on Apple Air Buds. <laughs> Apple eye air like uh like the dog airbud, And so yeah, so if I so if I sound like I'm recording Airbud <laughs> God. So if I sound like I'm in a tin can, that's why. But you sound great. You sound very robust of voice and uh Robusto. Yeah, robusto. You're like it's like a chunky style sauce.
1: I have a very handsome voice. Yeah, but- <laughs>
0: You have a handsome voice for a woman your age. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's true. Your voice is very handsome,
0: <laughs> it's sturdy and resolute.
1: Hey, Andrew, I have a handsome voice and a great personality. You have a
0: wonderful personality. <laughs> and you're so funny.
1: Oh, Donna, she's got a great personality and a handsome voice.
0: <laughs> I, should, um, I should probably quit while I'm ahead on this because now I'm just going to sound like I'm a horrible <laughs> misogynist. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm not single anymore, so sorry to all you listeners out there who were really jonesing to meet the face, the personality face behind this handsome voice.
0: Sorry, fellas, she's off the market.
1: (laughs) This handsome voice is married.
0: I, of course, have the voice of a fancy boy. so um...
1: (laughs) That's why we're friends, (laughs) you and me. Perfect compliment to each other. The salt to my pepper. (laughs) The yang to my yang, Andrew Morton. Yeah. I, for um, a minute, well, I wasn't
0: sure if you meant salt to your pepper, like the condiments are like I'm salt to your pepper. Um,
1: I thought the condiments, but that's way cooler. That, <laughs> that is, is way, way cooler. cooler. So
0: if we keep it condiments style, uh, Morton salt is a good salt. And though I'm no way affiliated with it, it is my salt of choice. Are you name
1: dropping again?
0: I am name dropping. Is this like an
1: I... Emily Bronte situation?
0: But I'm name dropping myself. I realize we don't introduce ourselves with our last names much anymore, so maybe people don't know my last name.
1: Because we're folksy, we're friends. We're folksy. We're, we're just doing a... all our, all our friends. Oh, yeah. Well, hi everyone. Welcome <laughs> to another episode of Stab Gab. I'm your host Donna.
0: And I'm your co-host Andrew.
1: Um, of Morton Salt fame. Of Morton
0: Salt fame. Uh, it's so
1: nice of you to take a trip down from the Man- Morton Mansion to record this podcast with me.
0: I have the kind of voice you can really preserve meat with. I, know, I was thinking. <laughs> fault <laughs> somehow i don't know <laughs> that jumped back to sorry that jumped back to voices again and i'm andrew morton
1: <laughs> <laughs> and this is stab gab and this
0: is stab gab
1: we just made our intro sound like 2020
0: we did we did i'm hugh downs
1: and i'm donna rickles and this is stab gab <laughs> this episode we are going to be talking about 1988's 976 evil <laughs>
0: Of Robert England, alias Freddy Krueger, comes his first directorial movie. What's up, Chuck? A movie reliving a nightmare. Let him go! The powers of darkness have returned, returned to capture their souls. Don't worry about others. You'll damage your pride. They'll soon regret it.
1: The souls of the innocent.
0: Someday soon, you're gonna be down here and I'm gonna spit on you. Some say it's a warning from God. A warning about what? That's Robert Englund's
1: 976 Evil.
0: Yes, 976 Evil, directed by Freddy Krueger himself, Robert Englund. And a co-writing credit, I don't know if this is one that jumped out to you, but a co-writer on this movie is Brian Helgeland. Who is probably most famous for having written the screenplay for *L.A. Confidential*, which is one of my oh
1: favorite. wow yeah yeah
0: like All he right. went on to do some celebrated stuff. He did um, I don't know if *A Knight's Tale* is a movie that meant much for you, but that was another one of his. And I think he did like a Clint Eastwood movie or something. So he's he's done a number of things.
1: Well, you got to start somewhere, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. He well, he did a good job on that movie. I don't know if he did a good job on this movie. Um, so so i'm gonna give you a preview thought here and we don't have to deep dive on this until later on but you remember like our last movie we watched when we watched the stuff and you just kind of like at the end of it you were kind of more fed up with it than anything else yeah i think this is the first time i watched one of these and i was just kind of like come on movie be better like i think i had that kind of vibe and um, yes yeah
1: and we'll dive deeper we'll dive deeper into that but like i 100 percent agree so this is like yet another movie that i saw as a child
0: Mm -hmm. Was this heavy rotation? Was-
1: uh, This wasn't a heavy rotation one. I think I've, I've definitely seen this more than once, but it's been a very long time since I've seen it. And I did feel that way too. But to just recap with a quick synopsis of the movie. So the movie 976 Evil stars two guys. They're cousins. They are of high school age. So we have Hoax, who is this nerdy kid and his cousin Spike, who's like the cool motorcycle, punk rock, rock and roll kind of character. And they both live with Hoax's mom. So Hoax's mother is Spike's aunt. Her name's Aunt Lucy. And Aunt Lucy is a super religious fanatic. So this probably plays in why Hoax is just kind of like this dweebish nerd he gets picked on at school.
0: Yeah, I think his mother uh, shields him because she's pretty old school. Like evangelical religious. Yeah, so she's her whole thing is she shields Hoax from any and all uh, temptation.
1: Like being a normal teenager of the 80s kind. Yes. And <laughs> Spike finds this... What essentially is a one number to call in and check out what your horoscope is. And these horoscopes turn out to be very, very accurate. But he quickly loses interest in the one numbers. But Hoax ends up finding the number 2 and he starts calling. And he becomes addicted to calling these numbers. Well, it turns out that this is a hotline directly connected to Satan. <laughs> and Satan slowly starts to possess Hoax promising him power and glory over all of his high school tormentors. This is very intoxicating for Hoax, and Hoax starts going down a slippery slope that's leading straight to hell.
0: All right. I'm gonna start off with, as it seems to apply to almost every movie we watch. This is absolutely another one of the very old people playing teenagers thing. And
1: everybody is in their late twenties
0: in this movie. Yeah, the
1: teenagers. The teenagers are.
0: Yeah, Spike is a man. I mean, he's a you know Spike, the motorcycle riding cousin. He's he's a like a full on dude. And Hoax is very much an older guy. Like he's playing it like he's like Urkel or something. But he's very much an older guy, and he kind of has thinning hair. So, yes. like, in addition to just having the standard issue, being too old for the part thing that we have with guys in these movies, he himself just, like, it adds an extra maybe five. It's like the
1: casting director gave up. Yeah. <laughs> they was just like, yeah. I, you know what? I have some friends who have SAG cards. Right. I'll, I'm just going to call them and see if they're free. Have them come in. One fun fact, though, is that Aunt Lucy is actually, like, a bona fide actress. Her name is Sandy Dennis, and she actually won an Oscar in, like, I think 1964 for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, she was very theatrical in the movie. I will give her that. Which makes sense, because she is supposed to be playing a very intense, born-again, fire-and-brimstone-level Christian. So I think Sandy did a very good job with that.
1: Kudos, Sandy. Yeah. So the movie starts out with... The movie almost has this very Nightmare on Elm Street feel. Did you happen to notice the hat tip there? Like it's like yes. So Nightmare on Elm Street opens up in the nightmare of one of the high school students. She's trapped in her nightmare. She's running through the hallways of school in her nightgown trying to escape Freddy Krueger. This movie starts off with some random dude, we never know his name, yeah. doesn't really matter, doesn't show up again, and he is running through the empty streets of whatever town this movie is supposed to take place in. It's nighttime and he's basically trying to run away from ringing phones so this is already setting the groundwork that 976 evil is an evil phone number that no good will come of calling it so he's like running away from all these ringing phones like a different like displays and pay phones and so finally he just gives up and ends up answering one of the ringing phones and the phone booth bursts into flames and explodes and kills him and this is where the movie starts
0: I think if you're making the comparison to Nightmare on Elm Street, I would absolutely think it's on purpose because if Freddy Krueger himself is directing the movie, he's probably not only hat-tipping the series that he came from, but he probably, I would assume there was a sense of, they know Freddy Krueger made this movie, so... Let me give yes. him a little nightmare on Elm Street up front. I also think the basic plot line of this movie, I doubt this was on purpose. I think it was just similar structures, but I, it was very mirror-mirror. Oh,
1: yeah. It's like a nerdy high school kid gets revenge.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nerdy high school kid finds a secret power that, get, you know, through and, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so those were the two things I had. The
1: 80s were a mean fucking time, man.
0: You didn't want to be in high school in the 80s. You don't really ever want to be in high school, but you definitely didn't want to be in high school. No,
1: it's true. I'm sure, actually, you know what? I take it back. I'm sure kids are still mean, and now they get to be mean in in a whole different way, and like in social media and on a very public platform. So then we cut to like, we're starting to get the groundwork of this whole like family dynamics hoax. Is totally enamored by like Spike's bad boy ways. He thinks Spike is so fucking cool because Spike is so fucking cool. And um, he's, like, trapped in this, like, you know, situation where he's just, like, super made fun of at home and then kind of, like, over-dominated by this overbearing religious mother at home. So there's really no escape for hoax. He's bullied at school and he's bullied at home. So they live together. Spike lives in, like, the guest house in the back of the house. Apparently Spike's mother was Aunt Lucy's sister who had passed away at some point. So he is now in the care of Aunt Lucy, and Aunt Lucy is also controlling his money, which is a huge bummer for him because he has a big gambling habit. (laughs) Um, He likes to meet up with a group of high school ruffians who I'm assuming somebody works at the local movie theater that they have access to the projection room. But in the projection room, there's always seems to be all sorts of gambling going on. So Spike goes there to hang out with his ruffian buddies and continues to lose money. And he at the beginning of this movie, he's in debt and he needs He needs to get his hands on his folks' money so he can pay off his debt to the high school bad boys who are uh, bleeding him dry on the poker circuit.
0: Yeah. The uh, high school hoodlum guys, I thought, had very strong the gang from Stand By Me vibes, like the uh, Ace Merrill and the... Oh, yeah. yeah, They did. Yeah. I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but the mode of dress of everybody in this movie struck me as very 1950s. oh
1: really i didn't get that i got very like late 80s early 90s kind of red hot chili pepper vibes like with the pork pie hats and the baggy jean cutoffs and
0: and the socks on their junk and
1: (laughs) yeah that one scene where they pose for a rolling stone cover (laughs) with their socks on their peens that whole that whole vibe
0: that was a weird scene that was a weird scene yeah um Maybe it was because Spike has a leather jacket and rides a motorcycle around. He, he was giving me kind of a Fonzie vibe. So. Yeah, there's
1: definitely that. So. I can see that. So shortly into the movie, Spike finds the card to call for a horoscope. The card's phone number is 976-EVIL. It like falls out of a magazine or a book or something. So he calls the phone number and he gets some horoscope. I don't even remember what the horoscope is, but he gets a horoscope.
0: It rhymed. That's all I remember.
1: Have you ever noticed that movies about the devil always involve puns and rhyming? Yeah,
0: yeah. How is that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, does the Bible does he rhyme in the Bible?
1: <laughs> I w- don't think so, but I really wish. I wish that the Bible was like a children's rhyming book, <laughs> or at least when the devil's involved in it.
0: A reading from the Book of Deuteronomy: "Stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the rhythm and the syllables." <laughs> <of the history." laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to chalk it up to that, but I don't, yeah, I don't really remember. I don't remember if Satan has full on dialogue in the Bible or not, so I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Wow, Catholic school did a lot of good here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Glad my parents paid for that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, he calls, and then shortly after he calls, his Aunt Lucy comes outside to yell at him about something. She's just constantly mad throughout this movie, and it starts to rain fish. Yeah.
0: I wrote, it was a magnolia moment. Remember at the end of Magnolia? Oh, yeah, it wait, was that
1: frogs? That
0: was frogs what and was magnolia, but raining fish. And here's the connection I made as a former Catholic school person was that I always really enjoyed the story of the loaves and the fishes. So that was the whole thing where, mm-hmm. like, you know, Jesus is like giving out fish and the fish are just never ending. It's yeah. like red lobster, it's like uh, endless uh, fish or.
1: <laughs> or like Olive Garden, yeah, like the bottomless breadsticks.
0: And so Jesus, Jesus performed the miracle in the Olive Garden.
1: One could say that Jesus ran the first Olive Garden.
0: <laughs> he he that, did
1: marinate on that. <laughs> I mean, I definitely got that it had, like, some sort of religious feels to it. And somebody else did, too, because we have a reporter by the name of Marty show up at the house the next day. He claims to be a reporter from the Miracle magazine. Yeah. And he wants to interview Aunt Lucy about said raining fish that had occurred the night before. He's there, like, like the
0: next morning. He heard over the grapevine. I'm like, word
1: travels fast on the Mm -hmm. raining fish circuit.
0: This was pre-internet, so that word got around pretty quickly about fish miracles. But he's skeptical. He was skeptical. He's like, listen, I hear a lot about miracles. I,
1: I need to do a deep dive yeah,
0: yeah. on this. yeah.
1: So while this is happening, Spike is also continuing to call 976 evil. And he is starting to get more of these really uncanny horoscopes until it finally comes to some sort of breaking point. The horoscope tells him to steal a pair of gloves from the bike shop that he's at. And it seems like the guy who owns the bike shop is Like a buddy of his, like someone that he shouldn't really be doing something as shitty, like stealing from his friend's store. You just get this vibe that this dude has like helped him out. He even like makes a comment about like Spike's dad. So it seems like maybe this guy was friends with Spike's dad before he passes away. So the horoscope tells him to steal something from the store, a pair of leather gloves. He goes in, he attempts to steal them. He feels bad, puts them back. And then it seems like the hotline's gonna punish him. The hotline itself calls him back on the payphone and is just kind of like, or it says, look both ways before you cross the street. And then he almost gets hit by a car and he's saved by Marty from Miracle Magazine. And at this point, Spike is just like, I'm out. I'm not calling this phone number anymore.
0: So Marty saves him. And then what does he do? He takes him to a diner?
1: Yeah, and he starts asking him questions about the fish. Right. Which, again, I'm just like, how did you find out with the fish so fast? And how do you know that this kid, like, lived in the fish house?
0: Right. There's some missing pieces here to this to this particular aspect of the story.
1: So, in the meantime, we're also learning that Hoax is just, like, a hopeless case. He's constantly picked on at school. He's picked on by the poker mm-hmm. squad from the projection room. They're doing things like dunking his head in the toilet and just harassing him, like, every day, all day. Like, things are not good for poor little Hoax. Right.
0: He wants to pick up babes. That was his big thing he kept saying to uh, Spike earlier. Oh, yeah.
1: That's not happening for you. Yeah, Hoax
0: rides around on this scooter, um, I think, in an attempt to emulate Spike. Because Spike has this cool-ass 1950s motorcycle. And uh, Hoax rides around on, I don't know, like a Honda sporty moped kind of thing. Yeah, and, uh, like a little
1: Vespa, and it's just like I know Vespas are like kind of cool and like for a hipster or right. like somebody really in the yeah. mod culture, but that's just not Hoax. Yeah, Hoax is just a dweeb who's got this like little like beep beep.
0: <laughs> he just vocalizes the beep beep as he drives by.
1: Yeah, he's like out of my way beep beep.
0: <laughs> but yeah, he says Spike and I are going to drive cross country, and we'll pick up babes so babes can ride on the back of our motorcycles as we drive cross country.
1: So speaking of babes, Spike, after his little interview with Marty of Miracle Magazine, he picks up a babe and he brings her back to his little love shack.
0: Yeah, that's Susie.
1: Yes, he brings home Susie and him and Susie, a Catholic school girl, reject, do it. Hoax spies on them while they're doing it. So at this point, I've like lost all sympathy for Hoax, and now I'm just like, you're a gross perv.
0: Yeah, Hoax tips over into being a total pervert. Because doesn't he like. She um, sends sp- him a
1: note. It's like, nice story. score, cuz. Yeah,
0: we should explain. Spike and Hoax have a pneumatic tube system. Like
1: how you used to do at drive-through banks.
0: Right. The drive through bank thing. And I guess Hoax is always sending spike messages on this. What was that what he said? Like nice score or something?
1: It's like something like that, nice score cuz and it's just like and Susie sees the no and she's just like, What a pervert. And I'm like, you are right. And you have even more right to like go over there and punch him in the face.
0: Hoax is 34. He deserves a comeuppance and a punch in the face. Come on.
1: (laughs) His bones are hardened and in in place. (laughs) You don't have to worry about soft skull anymore. (laughs) Punch him, punch him hard, punch him in the nose.
0: Right on his fontanelle, right up, right on top of the old head.
1: (laughs) So Susie and Spike leave. They go to the movies And Hoax comes over to Spike's apartment to snoop around. Mainly to take Susie's underwear that she left behind, but also to do some additional snooping. (laughs) And um, this is when he finds the 976 Evil phone number and he gives it a call.
0: Big mistake, Hoax.
1: Big mistake. Huge. (laughs) So he calls. And this is pretty much the beginning of the end for him. His first phone call to 976 Evil, he gets the recording telling him that he will get the babe. Meaning Susie, because he's developed an instant crush on Susie because he saw her tatas while she was doing the deed.
0: He saw her tatas and he collected her underwear. Therefore, that means he's in love.
1: (laughs) That means that's your dream girl. That means that's the one for you, hoax. (laughs) So he chases after Susie and Spike on their way to the movie theater. So they're at the movie theater, and Spike ditches Susie to go play poker with his friends, leaving Susie to watch the movie
0: by herself. Yeah, they're about to go into the movie, and he's like, hey, just go in without me. I- I'll just be five minutes. She's the like, sign
1: of a true addict. Yeah,
0: and then he goes in, and it's like a scene straight out of Dogs Playing Poker. Uh, it's a bunch of guys sitting
1: around. <laughs> it's like that Dogs Playing Poker, ain't it? It looked
0: exactly like that. It was an entire, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a tableau. <laughs> <laughs> I, one of my brothers had a dog's playing book or hanging up in his old apartment, but it was on purpose. It was a joke, gift.
1: Of course. They hung
0: it with pride. It wasn't like. Of
1: course. We.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to defend his honor there. It wasn't on a for I mean,
1: if I had a game room, I would definitely buy something like that and put it in my game room. Yeah. I would hang it next to my shining style wedding portrait that Dave and I took at our wedding.
0: I do know you're. I had our
1: wedding photographer take an above, like, room shot of everybody standing and, like, looking into the camera. <laughs> we printed it in black and white. And then, like, I put, like, the name of the place and the date, much like the Overlook Hotel, the Fourth of July Ball.
0: I thought when you said shining <laughs> style, I thought you were like, is it in a really nice no, frame? The shining style. Yes, the, shining. the
1: shining. That would also go in my game room.
0: It would be right above dogs playing poker.
1: It would be right above the dog cart.
0: Which one would you grab, though, if there was a fire and you could only grab one on the way out? fuck.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess it depends on how much dogs playing poker was valued at. Right. Is that the moneymaker? Is this something I that guess so. I could sell and retire off of? Because sure, as shit isn't going to be my wedding portrait.
0: You're like, I didn't realize this dog's playing poker was painted by Picasso.
1: <laughs> um, it's his early phase, his dogs the- and games phase, before
0: the blue period, I believe. It was.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Number of years before he cut his ear off. Or no, that's Van Gogh. Sorry, Van
0: Gogh. That's all right. We can just roll this all into art him. Smart. It was before he painted all those dogs on the roof of the Sistine Chapel. I'm going to combine it into we're one. We're just going to put every... All major artists.
1: All the soup cans. Yeah, and, the...
0: and he said, one day every dog playing poker will be famous for 15 minutes. Right. And
1: you know what? It came true. It came
0: true. <laughs> we were living in the world that Vincent Van Warhol told us that we were all going to be living in. It came to pass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to grab another beer. I'll be right back. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so. Hey, it's ASMR. We're gonna talk about movies. (laughs) We're gonna crack open beers and talk about
1: movies. (laughs) You're like, Donna, never do that again. I I never want to hear your handsome voice sound. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I've never experienced that. When I hear that stuff, it makes me so uncomfortable when people are talking
0: like this. Right, right, right. And the clip
1: clicking i'm like "Ah, (laughs) shut up just use your handsome voice
0: use your indoor handsome voice i uh...
1: use your handsome voice so spike abandons Susie. she has to go see the movie by herself because he has a gambling addiction he never comes back to the movies with Susie. finally Susie finds him in the projectionist booth and she's just like peace have fun with your friends so she leaves and when she leaves she bumps into hoax because hoax had stalked them all the way up (laughs) to the movie theater, and by bumping into her, they end up going out to get pizza together because that's what you do in the 80s when you're a teen. You go get pizza yeah. at the pizza parlor. Even though you know that he's just like got done watching you and the other dude fuck, of course you go grab a slice with him. <laughs>
0: she so, did realize that he was watching. Yeah, she's okay. just like
1: your Spike's cousin. But she didn't end that sentence with, the creep who watched us have sex. <laughs> So hoax is over the moon because basically the the person who told him when he called the phone number, they were right. He is hanging out with the girl of his dreams. Go get the girl of your dreams. So he did. So they're hanging out. They're having pizza. They're having a great time. Meanwhile, Spike wins all of his money back that he lost to the dudes. So the dudes are pissed they lost all of their cash. So they leave and they end up at the said pizza place and they take out. All of their frustrations of losing their money to Spike Spike's dorky cousin, Hoax. And they beat the shit out of him. Susie starts to sort of stick up for him, but then her underwear is discovered in Hoax's pocket. And she realizes, you know what? You're just a big perv. Fuck you. Good luck with these dudes. So she leaves. So then after Hoax gets his ass handed to him on a platter for the bajillionth time in this movie, he goes home and he calls 976 evil again. And basically, the voice on the phone tells him what you need to do to get revenge. And I think it's weird that the revenge that he decides to take is on Susie. Yeah. He doesn't take revenge on the bullies. He decides to take revenge on Susie because she left him there. And I'm like, well, you are a fucking pervert.
0: So... I think you're absolutely right. I would bet that he was filtering it through his, uh, since he's all super Christian-y and stuff, and his mother keeps telling him about the- evil, Women are evil. Women, women are evil and the wanton, wicked ways of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he just decided, he's like, no, it's the woman's fault.
1: Yes, he actually calls her Jezebel later on. He
0: himself, does, he calls her-
1: Which I'm just like, Jezebel. Yeah, he's,
0: he calls. <laughs> I believe cute. he calls her a Jezebel whore or something like that.
1: Uh,
0: I thought it was kind of funny- because this is kind of where the movie goes from zero to 60 very quickly, because when he decides to take his revenge on Susie, like I know he's kind of under the influence of 976 Evil at this point, but he goes full, like he draws a pentagram uh, Mm -hmm. on the living room floor. He takes his shirt off and stuff. And I think he like lights some candles or something. And I thought, you know, if this guy's coming from a Christian background and it's still motivating some of his animosity towards the stuff, it's kind of interesting when he tipped right over into full-on Satanism.
1: No, he just like goes from like good Christian boy to like drawing pentagrams and salt in a room <laughs> in know. a matter of minutes.
0: He could at least start swearing or something first, or I don't know, or smoking a cigarette. <laughs> smoke something. a cigarette. Yeah, smoke a cigarette or something like, yeah. He can work his way. I up love it. that we
1: said that at the same time. Just start smoking cigarettes first, just, man. Just start like smoking that. and
0: swearing more often, and you know, I don't know, buy Fox a Playboy. Like, go
1: big. Go big or go home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it was Fuckin a now. big pentagram too. It was that was no that was no uh coffee table sized pentagram. That was a rug-sized pentagram.
1: So basically he says that he just wants to scare her, he ends up killing her. He ends up magically sending a million spiders into her kitchen to scare the shit out of her. Right. Um, that was
0: because she saw a spider, I think, earlier and she confessed yeah. to hoax. She goes, Oh, I'm really scared of spiders. And it was a daddy long legs.
1: Mm-hmm. So he used this knowledge to his advantage to scare her with the magical spiders.
0: He puts uh, tarantulas in a TV dinner. Lean Cuisine. Yeah, Lean Cuisine, <laughs> Swanson dinners. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> it seems like there he has like some sort of telepathic connection to like what's going on, and he can sense that she's like really fucking bugging out. So he kills the main spider that he's using for this like spell. Mm-hmm. He doesn't realize right until he's done the deed that somehow that spider was tied to her so he stabs the spider hence killing her
0: it was like a voodoo doll the spider
1: yes so Susie is dead
0: I thought Susie was going to be with us for the long haul so I was a little bum when Susie exited the picture I can-
1: I really liked her i like
0: Susie. she because she wasn't taking any crap from either of the two leads who, who were both kind of shitheads in very different ways and um, you know
1: i looked her up mm-hmm. i looked up the actress her name is leslie dean and um she's like really in a roller derby now for reals yeah, I'm just like you're kind of cool.
0: That's pretty
1: kind awesome. A, I do like, oh, you're kind of cool. <laughs> this sounds so obnoxious. I'm like, you're kind of a badass. That's pretty fucking rad. And like, she's she acted in like some other horror movies too. And apparently, she like does the whole like horror like convention circuit. Oh, and cool. she's in Roller Derby. She's and i proud just of her like, work. Yeah, I'm just like, man, you seem like you're like really having fun at life. Yeah, yeah, dude, rock on, sister. That's really great. So yeah, Susie dies, and then like hoax. Tells Spike the next day, "Yo, I I killed Susie." He
0: straight up says it. He isn't even yeah. like, "Oh, I heard some something, something must have happened to Susie." He's just like, "I think I killed her," but he's yeah, like he's weirdly like, proud of it. Her. I
1: think he's like, "I killed that Jezebel whore. I killed her for you." <laughs> and it's just like, "No, you killed her because you were mad at her." Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. He's basically like an average male now.
1: Maybe. You've made or, me angry yeah, for some who- reasons
0: I don't understand. So the only way to fix that is to murder you.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, exactly. (laughs) So he's just like, I killed her. And Spike's just like, ugh, bad, and then leaves. But somebody was murdered. Yeah. Why is it? Yeah. (laughs) Like, no one really seems to care that Susie's dead.
0: Like, Spike is angry that Hoax committed murder, but he doesn't seem particularly well upset that he happened to murder, you know, the girl that he liked.
1: Or that he murdered, period. Like, shouldn't have, I don't know, like... Andrew, I love you to death, but if you told me that you killed someone, I would call the police. Yeah. I would be like, Andrew, I'm sorry. I have to call the police. I have to
0: do something about like, this.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, man, but I'm calling the cops.
0: Hashtag she justice is- for Susie.
1: Yes! <laughs> Susie, you deserve more. So then we cut back to Marty. Marty's at the school, and he's there to talk to the principal, who in stereotypical 80s movie or music video fashion, mm-hmm. you can tell that she's very good looking, but she has her hair up right. and glasses on. Yeah. And you know that later on in the film, that hair is coming down and those glasses are coming yeah,
0: off. Yeah, yeah.
1: She- she's going to hot for teacher at later. <laughs> yeah, Hot for principal.
0: <laughs> hot for administration.
1: I'm hot for administration. <laughs> so he, at this point, is meeting with the principal. I don't remember her like um, principal last name, but it, her name's Angela.
0: Okay. Was it like Ramirez or something like that?
1: Something like okay, that. All right. And he shows a private eye ID. He's like, I'm Marty, Marty McMarterson. <laughs> okay, I'm a, a private eye. So then at this point, I'm like, what? Yeah,
0: I was confused by that. And, but
1: it's never explained. Yes, I'm just like, okay, are you a reporter? Or are you a private eye? Which one is it? They never return to. It. They
0: never return to the no, private eye thing.
1: They never go back.
0: I had written down here that I thought he was going to end up being something like a paranormal investigator, or like a, or maybe like, oh, an, but like an angel. He's an angel. Oh shit, that would have been kind of amazing to see what he <laughs> Ooh,
1: you're an angel.
0: <laughs> like he spreads his giant white wings at the end and he flies the soul of Susie. I'm here to
1: save you. <laughs> I'm here to save you all from 976 Evil. Dude, I wish he was an angel.
0: God damn it. We just wrote a fucking better movie than this movie actually ended up being. All right. Okay. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Robert England, you're welcome.
0: Yeah, come on. Jesus Christ, come on back. It's time for a director's cut, Robert. He should have flown away with the spirit of Susie.
1: Yeah. The only redeeming thing, the, the main redeeming thing in this movie,
0: Susie. Uh, also, um, Marty, I mean, I hate to say this, but Marty was so boring that I honestly, I kept forgetting he was in the movie. Oh, there minutes. was no
1: reason for him to be in this movie. No. I guess I'm gonna have to come up with another key takeaway because that was gonna be one of my key takeaways. Oh, right. There's no reason for him or Angela to be in this movie, okay, okay. the principal. They're both like so unnecessary and both so boring. And I feel like this movie could have come to a conclusion on its own without these two characters being involved. Right. So, yeah, so Marty rolls up at the principal's office and like flashes a police badge. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Are you a reporter for Miracle Magazine, <laughs> which I'm sure that's flying off the rack? <laughs> or are you a cop? It's never ever fucking revisited. Right. I lost so much sleep, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> we will never know if Marty is a private eye or a reporter for for an award-winning magazine. So he shows up at the school because he's like, you have a student by the name of Hoax. Again, I love, I'm like, is Hoax on his record? Right. Like, is this his, like, real name?
0: And if his name is Hoax, wouldn't like, he, like, be, I don't know, hoaxing people all the time? Shouldn't, like, the local cops be like, that's the guy who was always making crank calls?
1: He just cries wolf.
0: Right, yeah. And his name should have been wolf. Um,
1: oh, hoax cries wolf. Hoax
0: cries wolf. He's hoaxing, like the wolf. <laughs>
1: <And I'm> hoaxing <laughs> like the wolf.
0: I am hoaxing like the wolf. Making crank um, calls. Yeah,
1: I don't know. <laughs> we always we inevitably end up like making up songs at some point in all of our episodes, we, which I don't hate.
0: I don't dislike it at all. We can put out an album. Uh,
1: I know we can so,
0: call them uh, stab grooves or something like that. I could do that. Oh <laughs> <my God.
1: laughs> so Marty's just like I'm worried about one of your students named Hoax. Like, why are you even worried about this kid? Like, I don't understand where this is all coming from. Right. So he gives like a little bit of an explainer to to the principal. And basically, it's just decided that they're going to talk more about it over dinner. Yeah. And at that point, I'm like, oh, that's when the glasses are off and the hair is Yeah, down. it's on. Which, fast forward to the dinner, and that is exactly what yep. happened. <laughs> um, so while this is happening, Hoax decides to corner two of the bullies from the poker club. In the bathroom. It
0: sounds so much less threatening when you refer to it as a poker club.
1: The poker club. Like, oh, you,
0: you don't come to poker club? He brings the, the coffee club. cake.
1: It's a school recognized club. They're in the yearbook.
0: <laughs> they all wear black uh, turtlenecks. <laughs> <laughs> they
1: have cigarette holders <laughs> for their cigarettes.
0: Opera glasses.
1: So the two bullies show up in the bathroom and Hoax is in there. And they are like, oh, haha ha, it's Hoax. We're going to shove your head in the toilet again. And all of a sudden we see, because Hoax has been calling the phone number quite a bit. Yeah. So Satan is really sinking his teeth into Hoax. Yeah. And we see Hoax's hands turn into double hands. Yeah, they got all grow huge claws. Yeah. And he slashes the face of one of the bullies. Like really, like. Yeah, he really cuts the fuck
0: face. out of, like the dude's like bleeding off of the side of his face and everything.
1: So the other bully runs out. He's like, peace, bye, you're on your own, figure it out. <laughs> And Hoax looks at the guy whose face he just fucked up and is just like, you tell everyone to never pick on me again.
0: And he's starting to get a demon face a little bit too. His face is a lot pointier. Is that kind of the right phrase for it? Or like-
1: sort of. He looks like he's got some rosacea
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he's growing like random stray hairs out of his face. I wrote um, in my notes
0: he looked like a Teen Wolf.
1: Yes, he did. He looked like the beginnings of Teen yeah. Wolf.
0: Three, which three came Teen first Wolf.
1: Teen Wolf for this movie
0: uh, or Teen, Teen Wolf? Wolf would have come first
1: yeah I wonder if the makeup artist took a few cues from because he definitely did look like Teen Wolf when Teen Wolf was in the midst of the transition yeah. between Michael J. Fox and Michael J. Wolf. Hey, <laughs> there's my dad joke. Hey. hey. all right. That was really good. That was really good. Hey. God damn it. I feel like that's on par with you. That's really
0: good. I was gonna that's say. I was gonna say, Andrew I was gonna say I'm usually in enjoyed- charge. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was oh, thank you. I good for you. That makes me feel better.
1: <laughs> so there's no going back for a hoax at this point. Yeah. Hoax is now one of the damned. And Marty wants to do a little bit of investigation work to find out who is behind 976 Evil. So he calls the White Pages, gets the business address for 976 Evil. So he goes there and he finds the guy behind 976 Evil, whose name is Mark Dark.
0: Played by Robert Picardo.
1: Yes, yeah. who was in Munchies. He was in Munchies, yeah. He played one of the, the members of the ice cream family. Yeah,
0: I. Uh, it's funny because it took me a minute to realize that it was him. And then I was like, oh shit, I think that's Robert Picardo. And then I was like, oh my god, flashback callback to Munchies. So, yeah.
1: So basically, Mark Dark takes Marty into this room that's covered in dust. No one is manning the 976 evil yeah. numbers. There's just like a machine there. And he's just like, yeah, people could just call and get recorded messages. He's like, but I don't even run this machine anymore it just costs too much money so then it's just like what mystical evil force is running the 976 evil number where's the call coming from then dun, dun, dun.
0: just to jump back a quick second we should point out that mark dark runs a bunch of different kind of one eight one yes one nine hundred numbers. numbers so there's a phone sex lady there there's some guy pretending to be santa claus
1: there's another guy who's also running a gambling circuit. Yeah,
0: so this is basically a haven for uh, one nine hundred numbers. I did laugh because Mark Dark had a line where um, I think when Marty was like, "Why, you know, why do you have this number nine seven six evil?" and Mark Dark just goes, "Well, yeah, you know, nobody's in the horror anymore." He goes, "These days, the only thing anybody cares about are ET, Ewoks, sports, and fun sex." <laughs> as true
1: as it was back then, it's true today. <laughs> So Marty is leaving the building And he's just like what the fuck And then we see Him pass a phone and the phone Rings oh, shit. He answers it and it is the evil voice From 976 Evil Basically threatening Marty's life Like basically just being like You better like step back and stand down Or something bad's going to happen to you Got it Marty
0: Yeah I, 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 was, trying, I was thinking of the Stevie next to the Stand back stand back yeah,
1: I wish he he answered it. And it's like stand back, stand back.
0: Yeah, so it rhymes. I've
1: got Hoax's soul, and you gotta let it go. <laughs>
0: yes, nine seven six evil tells Marty to back, get the, back, fuck back the fuck off.
1: So, in the interest of time, <laughs> Hoax keeps calling. Hoax keeps getting more and more evil. Um, He's
0: getting more demon-looking Hoax... like.
1: Hoax's mom tries to step in, Evangelical Aunt Lucy, she's just like, listen to me, boy. She keeps calling him yeah. boy all the time. You better listen to me, boy. You better do right, boy. And he is just at this point, he's just like turns to her and is just like, if you value your life, you will leave me alone. <laughs> and he's got like full on fucking demon face. Yeah. And she's just like, ah. <laughs> and at this point, he leaves. He goes to the movie theater. Because at this point, he's just like, Poker Club has to die. <laughs> So long story short, he goes to the movie theater and kills everyone in poker club.:
0: All the people at Poker Club they're playing strip poker all of a sudden.:
1: They're playing strip poker with this one random girl that happens to be hanging out there, and she has like no bearing on the movie right, whatsoever. Right, right.
0: They were just like, we realized we hadn't had any boobs in this movie in about it's four like, seconds. It's like, well,
1: Susie's dead, so we need to have another yeah. chick here. We'll just get this random girl who like barely talks to be in this scene, of, and she's of no consequence. We need
0: an object in this scene. How about a woman? Okay, sure. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. And considering this is 1988, all of that checks yeah. out. <laughs> so Hook shows up, and at this point, he's full fucking blown demon. And he kills everyone. Goes back to his house and kills his mom. While this is happening, Marty and Angela are just like, we need to go check on Hoax. Because now they're very worried about him. Again, I still don't (laughs) know how they've made the connection between 976 Evil and Hoax, but they have. So they go to the house. Marty, instead of just like going to the front door and knocking on it and seeing anyone's there, decides to crawl up the rose vine and sneak into the house.
0: Right. Well, you know he's a rough hoodlum. He he strikes me as one of those guys. You know they're always climbing up drain pipes to talk to people, right? Hoodlums don't really like to we use try doors. Try the door.
1: Right? Try the doorbell.
0: Listen, he's a motorcycle riding, leather jacket wearing. A no, no, no,
1: Marty. Marty, I'm sorry. You're Marty. right, right,
0: right. Sorry. See, Marty is so boring. I can't even remember what which character <laughs> action.
1: Marty and Angela, the two people who don't need to be in this movie, right. they decide to go check yeah. on Hoax. Um, Hoax has basically turned the house into a hellmouth. So, but they don't know this yet. And Marty, instead of ringing the doorbell, climbs up the rose vine, and then he sees Hoax pop up in the window, scares the shit out of him, falls off the rose vine, knocks himself
0: out. See, wouldn't it have been better if Marty, instead of being a private eye or a reporter, he could have been a 1 an 900 <laughs> before revealed as an angel? <laughs> He could have been a 1-900 number psychic. And that's how he would have known all this stuff. He would have been like, I'm getting a psychic vibe. I mean,
1: just anything. Yeah. Like, any sort of explanation as to, like, why this guy is here and how he knows all this shit.
0: Right. You are convincing me that he's an angel now. You really are.
1: God, I really, so, really. Like, the more we talk about this, I'm just like, it would have been so
0: cool if he was, like, an angel. And there was a battle between good and evil. <laughs> Stop writing a better movie, Donna. Come on now.
1: I can't help it. It's in my nature to make things better. (laughs) So Angela's waiting in the car this whole time, and then finally she's just like, fuck it, I'm going to go in. She goes through the front door. She walks into the house. The house is covered in ice and snow on the inside. Yeah, they
0: decide to zig where your average movie about hell would zag. Like Normally they'd be like, I bet you you think hell would be fire and lava. And apparently this movie's idea of hell is that it's cold and snowy.
1: It's frozen over, if you will. That's right. That's right. But I just love that she walks in the house. The house is covered in snow and ice. And instead of being like, nope, turning right back around, she's just like, oh, anybody home? Wish I
0: brought my ice boots with me. Well, I tell you this. If you had kids, that's the kind of principle you'd want for your kids. Because they would care.
1: She finds uh, the body of Hoax's mom. It's being eaten by cats. Yeah. I read in the IMDb trivia though that they actually made a Sandy Dennis mannequin, and they filled the inside of it with tuna fish. That's how they got the cats to eat to eat her. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Those cats were probably like, "This is the best day of my (laughs) life."
0: I'm trying to think what makes me gag more: cats eating an actual dead human being, or cats eating, I assume, lukewarm tuna out of a dummy.
1: Why not both? Why not both, Andrew? There's room. There's room to be (laughs) disgusted by both. So, Hoax makes his appearance, and he's full-blown demon yeah, at this point, point. Yeah. and um, lots of puns come out of his mouth. <laughs> like, everything is a pun. Couldn't even keep up. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that's he... the direct influence of this being directed by the guy who played Freddy Krueger. Because there's really no reason for a satanic demon to be, like, doing hilarious puns, but that's kind of Freddy Krueger's thing. Doesn't yeah, he always he make does, a pun I mean, before he kills somebody? He
1: makes a lot of uncomfortable jokes while he's killing right. people. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> An element of fun to the horrific murders. So he throws Angela down the stairs. Angela's knocked unconscious. Spike shows up at home and finds an unconscious Marty outside, shakes him awake. It's like, what's going on? Marty's just like, fills him in. Right. Cousins a conduit of evil now. <laughs> we have to go inside and save principal Angela. So they go inside and Marty finds Angela and starts to shuffle her to safety while Spike distracts Hoax, aka fledgling of Satan. Mm-hmm. And starts to, like, barter with Hoax and tries to, like, maybe save him. And this is where the ending, like, kind of wraps up really quickly. But it's also, like, thank fucking God right. because it's just, like, dragged on for way too right. long. So Spike is really trying to talk Hoax off the ledge. He's really just trying to, like, get him to come back. And Hoax is about to kill him. He's pulling him in midair, strangling him. Mm-hmm. He's about to throw him into one of the pits that have opened up to the mouth of hell. Right. And Spike brings up, we were going to take that cross-country trip together. <laughs>
0: We we're going to get babes.
1: See, we we're going to get babes in our motorcycles. <laughs> and I'll let you ride my motorcycle and I'll drive your embarrassing scooter. <laughs> we could swap swapsies, man.
0: And Hoax had full-on uh, demon voice at that point. He's like, you'd let me drive your motorcycle? Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> and you see Hoax come back for That's a glimmer. Wait, just a second. A glimmer. But we realize, and Hoax realizes too, But basically it's just like, I'm lost, I'm this person now, you need to fucking kill me. So Spike, in the moment of Hoax's weakness, pushes Hoax into the Hellmouth. They
0: both go in, don't they? Don't they both? uh... No,
1: he pushes, yeah, you are misremembering this. I
0: swear to God, I thought they both fell into the big uh, chasm. No,
1: it looks like, okay, I see where you're coming from. It looks like they're both going in. Okay he's kind of like hugging him but then you just see the shot of like Hulk's flying backwards into the hell mouth and he's by himself
0: so what you're saying is my brain as we're doing right now wrote a better wrote a better ending for this
1: <laughs> yeah the one where Spike sacrifices himself for the greater good and Marty's an angel right.
0: <laughs> and then Marty flies away with, with, Angela, with Angela
1: and the ghost of Susan. and they
0: open a new school in heaven
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Angela's the principal yeah <laughs>
0: she's like no i'm the vice principal who's the real principal god
1: so everything looks like it's all fixed like now that hoax is dead maybe this is the last we're ever going to see of 976 evil and then the next shot we are back at mark dark's office and we see that the machine is no longer covered in dust and it's actually like in a very nice office type setting and we see Mark Dark's hands, and he's got a little bit of demon hand going mm-hmm. on, and he's adding a headshot of hoax to what one might think is a roster of souls right and the phone starts to ring again with another caller calling in and scene boom,
0: turns out that Mark Dark, I guess, was the devil or something
1: that's what it's alluded to especially with a name like mark
0: yeah robert picardo was a liar i mean way to tip your hand you're gonna call the dude mark dark i mean
1: i wish they just called him mark satan (laughs) i mean if you're gonna have that like if you're gonna reveal that much that early on you might as well just call him what about what if we just called him lucifer Satan? what about
0: if his name was like mark b elzebub that like that would be pretty good or uh or uh what are the other names for the devil i don't know (laughs)
1: lucifer d satan (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i didn't catch your i didn't catch your name what was your name again it was lucifer d satan
0: was that lucifer d mason
1: no satan s-a-t-a-n as in nancy when we first
0: came to america it was satanowski but my father shortened it so that we could blend in more and yeah yeah mark (laughs) dark all right
1: so are we ready for this i
0: believe we are more than ready for it
1: All right, we are ready for our three key takeaways.
0: All right. Oh my god. Uh, Would you like to? Um,
1: man, I feel like. I have one key takeaway that we didn't talk about, so I'm going to save it for the end. Okay, all right. Not to blow my load, <laughs> but
0: like we already
1: talked about a bunch of my takeaways. There's no iron so rule that so says like, we
0: have to save them up for the end. If we happen to thread a takeaway no, in there. That's true.
1: It was organic to It was man. organic it's to the about process. Naturally. This is our process. So I'm just going to state two of my key takeaways together. Okay. Since we already talked about them and we can maybe add on to them or not, whatever. Right. But key takeaway number one who the fuck is Marty? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Is he a private eye? Is he a reporter? Is he an angel? I wish, but I think sadly no. It's never determined.
0: He seems to be both a I shitty would... reporter and a shitty private investigator. So yeah. which to believe.
1: Who's to say? Yeah. And then my other key takeaway was Angela and Marty were really not necessary for this no, movie at all. No. I feel like this movie could have organically come to those sorts of conclusions on their own without these
0: two characters. I think a case could be made that you could have just made them the same character. I mean, you could have just had a principal.
1: An overly concerned an principal. An overly concerned she principal. She sees... And I mean, it doesn't even have to start with hoax growing claws. (laughs) It could even just start off with hoax being bullied at school. It could have just been like, I'm seeing you bullied at school. I'm really worried about you. You know what? We could have completely gotten rid of Marty Mm -hmm. because he was totally unnecessary. And then the principal could have taken on this role of like the gym teacher and Carrie. Remember her? Right, right, right. The one that got like really invested in Carrie mm-hmm. and like like started protecting her at school and like helping her out when she was like got asked to prom, yada yada. Right. I feel like that character could have grown into that role and then she could have been the one that's like showing up at the house and it would have been more of like a, I'm just checking in on you because I'm worried about yeah. you. Oh my God, your house has turned into the hellhouse.
0: Right. That would have been it.
1: A- or Marty could have been an angel. Mar-
0: well, here's how you work Marty as an angel into it, which is. Instead of maybe having, I mean, I understand they want to have the mother be this very strong evangelical character to, you know, scare her son off of Satan stuff. But like, they could have been going to a religious school and you could have done all the drama of school, only it was like a private religious school or something. And then you figure out some way to work Marty into it where he becomes an angel at the end. I mean, maybe that's getting a little too weird into, you know,
1: All right, so you don't have to lump your two together. I only lumped my two together because we talked about
0: it. No, it's totally fine. So my first one, my first key takeaway is kind of a practical one. It's a pet peeve of mine in movies and television.
1: Was there a framed picture of someone? It was not
0: the framed picture, but this is the cousin of the framed picture, which is when Hoax and Susie go out to get pizza at the pizza place, they're doing these quick cuts to show you that like the evening is progressing. They're having they're fun. They're having fun and the evening is progressing and their conversations are getting really nice. And I have a pet peeve in movies where they cut to the end of somebody telling a joke so you just hear the punchline, but you never hear the uh-huh. setup. And it's always clearly a fake punchline that has nothing to do with anything. I don't exactly remember what it was, but Hoax says something to her. Like, yeah,
1: you just want to, you don't know what the joke is. You're like, I want to know what the yeah, joke is. Yeah, it
0: just comes in and Hoax is like, so he said, like, that's not your turnip. That's the priest's turnip or something. It was not that. That was not what it was. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh my God. yeah, and then um, and then you're like, I really want to know the setup for this turn. Yeah, joke. Yeah,
0: and the thing is like, you just know by the construction of the sentence. I'm like, there is no way to reverse engineer that punchline. There are no things that you can put together to get you there. And I'm always just like, there's a million jokes in the world. There's a million dirty jokes Why in the you world. Take in Why don't you just them? take a punchline from an actual joke? and stick it in there
1: maybe because they want to fuck with you maybe robert england is just like i'm going to do this because i want
0: to fuck with i think it's a problem andrew. bigger than
1: with andrew morton
0: <laughs> now i'm paranoid now he really is freddie krueger he's been
1: following you his he, whole he's life he's in my
0: dreams he's like this guy hates it when comedy doesn't obey comedy rules i always think that somebody thinks that's a funny joke of like isn't it funny if you don't understand the punchline? and all i can ever think of is this is always labored And just use real punchlines if you're going to do the cut-in to somebody just finishing a joke. That's my key takeaway number one. So my key takeaway uh, number two, this is for the scene when Spike and Susie are having sex. They're having a sex. They're they're having a sex. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) They're having a sex.
0: (laughs) They're having a sex on a vinyl couch. I don't know who was working sound that day, but it was very speaking of asmr it was a very crinkly vinyl noise which i found very distracting and very unsexy and so my second key takeaway was do some adr on your sex scene because they're trying to sort of portray the sequence of like it's a little sexy and whatever and all i'm just hearing is the scrunching of shitty Couch material, vinyl, and it's
1: which is unsexy,
0: completely, un- which is not yeah. sexy.
1: It's the opposite of sexy. Yeah,
0: like there's probably no such thing as like sexy scene in a beanbag chair. I feel this was as close to getting to <laughs> something like that as you could possibly have. So.
1: It also, sounds really uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> it just sounds like there's no support anywhere during any. So. no do you have another key takeaway or you uh, i do
1: right. i have a three which i thought was like really fun and i just wanted to mention mm-hmm. it in case uh you did not notice this but there's like a bunch of devil references in this movie that i thought was like really fun like the diner is called dante's oh the theater is called the el diablo the, th- um,
0: the theater i remembered i didn't notice that with the diner though
1: yeah the diner's called dante's oh, that's cool. um Spike's regular order Mm -hmm. at Dante's is the deviled egg sandwich. When we cut to Susie being attacked by all the spiders, there's like a little Debbie style snack box in the background oh. and the box is labeled as Devil twins <laughs> so there's just like all these like little like double references like hidden throughout the movie this is just really it fun i love easter eggs yeah. like that like i'm such a fucking sucker for shit yeah. like that in movies that was abound in this one and it was just really really fun oh, that's great i thought it was really delightful
0: and fun. that's really nice and uh and let's give that to robert england because that's a directorial choice i feel so, yes. all right, respect, Robert Englund. Very good. Um, my final key takeaway is, it's even just more my sum up of the movie, which is focus your villain. As I was saying to you earlier, I felt a little deflated by this one because I thought there was some fun to be had with the idea of a haunted or evil one number. Obviously, there was some sort of Freddy Krueger deal at play with, with the rhyming and the puns that would come through when the guy talked. And I guess I just sort of felt like it being the literal devil coming out of the phone and then just possessing somebody and turning them into a pretty generic looking vampire. I kind of thought that was a little uninspired. And I don't know what other ways you could externalize a haunted evil 1900 number, but I just thought that you could have some fun with, I don't know, cheesy, trashy culture like that or something. There was probably some sort of sly social commentary or at least some sort of a
1: It would have been fun to see some commercials.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Like if they threw some commercials in there just because those commercials from that time period were so much fun. I mean, they got me to call them. I called the Psychic Hotlines. I mean, I partly called them because I was just like, ooh, tell me about my future. But I also called them because they were just like, this looks so fun, I want to call them. Hey,
0: right, right. You could add a whole thing where like a bunch of other manifestations of other kinds of 1-900 numbers jumped out of phones at the end to battle the devil 1-900 number. Ooh. Yeah, like I, don't, ooh. I just feel like there was more fun to be had with this concept and it just sort of turned into a possession story. And I guess I just didn't really feel like... At the end of the day, what did a one nine hundred number have to do with demonic possession?
1: It was a conduit. Yeah, like it was a yeah, like
0: it's th- that's a great way. To, like it was just a conduit for another kind of monster story we've already seen a million times.
1: I don't know i mean yeah i see what you're saying but also it's just like maybe it, w- it was a bigger deal then because 1-900 numbers were a big right. deal then and now they're like i don't even know if they're around anymore no, if like, they are they're certainly not a big yeah, I deal i mean maybe if you took that movie and put it in the context of today maybe the 1-900 number would be like a <laughs> would be like a website yeah,
0: tiktok or something around or... yeah TikTok. I
1: mean, we, yeah, yeah. Oh, TikTok! Shit. oh my god we- andrew really need to we really should jobs. that's
0: copyright that's everyone that's copyright stab gab you're not allowed to use it you heard that's it ours. you
1: heard it here first and it's
0: ours yeah that's our thing TikTok. we're taking that and uh, you see but there's something <laughs> fun to be done with the idea I mean I hear yeah. I hear what you're saying and, and I do understand I guess we're somewhat limited what one can do with a haunted phone number there's only so many ways to but I just I don't know I guess I felt like I felt like there was something there and we just kind of fell into some kind of old hat stuff and I just yeah I don't know.
1: Well, if anything, the action should start way before the 59-minute mark. Yes,
0: that I will wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. So, all right. All
1: right. So, that's what we got, folks, from us. Yeah, that's Robert
0: Anglin's 976 Evil. I will only say one thing that made me feel a little bit of a connection to this, which is that in my town growing up, there were two telephone prefixes. One was 966, and the other was 972. So when I hear 976 Uh altogether... It reminds me of the uh, two phone numbers from my town. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I take take with that what you will.
1: Hey, when you were growing mm-hmm. up, was there ever a time where you didn't have to dial the area code? Because I grew up during a time where you didn't um, have to dial
0: yes, the area. if we were calling in town, you didn't have to dial. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and that, like that's not the case anymore. You have to dial area code for everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. But Yeah. When I was growing up, my phone number and all the phone numbers that I would call for my little friends were just seven digits, yeah. and that's yeah. it. Yeah. We didn't th- start throwing in the area code until. God, maybe not even until like end of high school or maybe even after I left. Right. Like I
0: think the entire time we lived there, we could do that. I don't recall having to do the error code until we had moved out of that town.
1: I mean, some people probably just remember dialing one number, huh?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Klondike. Give me Klondike 12.
1: <laughs> I'm going to call Andrew. Eight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that guy who had the first phone number, one, that must have been really nice. He's like, hey, what's up? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to call my buddy. He's two. <laughs> hey one it's two what's going on you wanna, you wanna call three no fuck that guy alright cool uh, Yeah,
1: that guy's the he's worst the worst he sucks fuck three man I'll talk to
0: you later this phone call costs $14 click
1: <laughs> and that's it folks and that's it folks you have it
0: so uh, tune in next time where we will have a non-phone based movie till next time till next time bye bye I guess nobody's interested in the underworld anymore you know just Ewoks and E.T. and football and phone sex